Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is Daniel Howitt's interview with the composers for Everything Everywhere All at Once, Son Lux, Ryan Lott, Ian Chang, and Rafiq Bhatia. This is Wang. This is Wang. Mrs. Wang, are you with us? I am paying attention. Now you may only see a pile of receipts, but I see a story. See where this story is going? It does not look good. What's happening? Guys, thank you so much for taking time to talk with me about everything everywhere all at once. In so many ways, it's like it's the movie of the year uh, and and your guys' score is just remarkable. Let's start from the top. If I'm not mistaken, you were first approached about the project in 2019. And when the Daniels approached you, did you get it uh, or did it? Did you understand what they were going for or did it seem a little insane? When they approached us, I think the what we had to go off of was an earlier version of the script. Uh, which was kind of even more wild and longer than the film ended up being. I mean, definitely the first time I read it through, and I think this is sort of one of the things that's really amazing about this movie is that even if you don't get it, it's still like really fun, you know? Mm. So I did not get it. I think the first time I read it through, it was just, it was hard to keep track of, especially when it's on a page, you know? And I think the first, the biggest questions on my mind were like, how are they going to make this movie? And I believe Ryan even thought like the PDF was broken or something because of the way things were jumping around. Um, But I did have a lot of fun reading it. And I also like some of the sort of like emotional moments of the movie did kind of already come through, even if I wasn't like totally following every kind of twist and turn. Uh, Yeah. You said the script was even more wild. Uh, that's that's amazing. I, I want to read that version of the script. So what was the initial direction you received? Where do you, where do you begin with a, especially a project as expansive as this? Um, wh- where did you guys start? Well, they actually came to us with a really um, like remarkably specific sort of ask you know, and it was clear that they were really familiar with our music. They'd checked out all of the Sunlux records, and they'd also checked out all of the music that the three of us make individually under our own names. Um, and 
they were kind of like, look, this movie, it has a lot of different universes. Things are moving really fast. And we want the sound and the score to reinforce the feeling of each of those places being distinct. So that like when it feels like you're flipping channels through these universes, you can hear the way that they sound and you immediately know that you're there. But they almost feel kind of, you know, like unrelated to each other in the way that it would if you were just like, you know, scrolling on TV or whatever. And um but eventually, over the course of the movie, as the plot develops and we start to see all of these interconnecting threads through the universes, um, the score also needs to help us cohere all these seemingly disparate ideas into something that feels unified and has uh, a sort of emotional um, weight to it. And when we listen to you guys' music, we hear your interest in these kinds of things that like on paper seem completely unrelated to each other, but then somehow they make sense next to each other and and even become distilled and hybridized, you know, and and so like that's why we're asking if you be interested in doing this. So we were like, wow, we feel so seen right now. Like that sounds amazing, you know. Um, so even though the script was so crazy, we were already able to kind of be thinking about it from the very get go with this super clear directive in mind. And I think that was part of what made the like, what felt very impossible looking at the movie being like, how are they even going to make this? How would they shoot? The, you know, like, what is this? But also at the same time feeling like, okay, well, if there is a way that they're going to pull this off, like we already kind of understood why they might, you know, want us to be involved. And and that was exciting. But I think, yeah, like Ryan talks about how there was a moment where they were like, all right, we got Michelle Yeoh and like we're shooting and we were like, what is happening? This is a real thing, you know? Definitely. It was not something, not a movie that I thought was actually going to make it off the page. I bet. Yeah. I mean, there's mirrored universes and, you know, maternal marital relationships uh, bagels that contain multitudes how did you start to to turn some of these elements into music yeah you know our first task <clears throat> was the weirdest way to start um which is our first uh the our first charge was to write a hot dog musical song um so they because they needed to sing it on camera and of all the places, <laughs> this was the the weirdest one. Um, but actually, maybe that was, you know, maybe for a movie like that, you know, like this, the weirder, the better, you know, as far as, you know, the, the entry point. Really, what we decided to do first was to was to create more like textures and 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 improvisations and like kind of like events musically speaking that were inspired by particular aspects of the film things like the verse jump right what is the sound of the verse jump what is the musical sound of the verse jump what is the kind of because we have to go from you know point c to point 37 dash x <laughs> you know and we don't know what those are uh, what is the sound between that will always be consistent um, 
you know, because they, that action is, is like going to be a particular type of sonic event, you know, um, what, uh, what is the sound of, of Michelle's faces, like thousands of Michelle's faces flipping through, you know, um, and it was Daniel's idea to base that, those sections on, um, drum improvisations that so so ian did uh some drum like improvised early on he did some like really great like sort of splatter paint uh melodic frenetic um uh, drum solos so that they could cut to him and then and then that was kind of like the backbone for those events so we were thinking of it as like what are the weird things about this movie that are really um they could where where that they they're very unique but where we could start to like put our fingerprint on on things before anything's even shot right and and uh certainly before things are edited so so we were able and then we were lucky you know like when you on a gig a, a filming film score gig you know you don't always have the pleasure of influencing not only how something is edited but how something is shot um and so that was really uh really fun but other than that there was a pretty traditional path forward which was to start to explore themes melodic themes a request from the daniels is that the score would be melodic even though it's a kind of like an all over the place type of thing they they had the foresight to to request that there be melodic material that is that pulls your heartstrings and that actually can be, it can serve to like unite these disparate parts, which uh, would otherwise feel completely disconnected. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Yeah, and like you you talked about the editing as well, and how you sounds like you did a lot of work before the movie was even started. But so much of the music is very synchronized to the edit. So what was that process like um, to really start to to put the music to the actual film? Because it's very very tight. It was quite a long and winding road because uh, since we were involved so early, we were kind of we started doing things to picture before the edit was locked, you know? So there was definitely a fair amount of like, Oh, we'll score it tightly and then they'll change it. And then we'll have to kind of like change it with them. And and along the way we had some, the help of some great musical music editors who also helped in this regard. But that is something that I have, you know, Ryan has done a few film score gigs and done a lot of, making music to picture in general for ads and other things like that. But Rafiq and I are a bit newer to it. And it's only recently have I discovered that like scoring this tightly to picture is not really in vogue or the norm right now, you know, because uh, they, I think something about the way that Daniels envision things and work because they have such a background in making 
music videos, I think they really do think about things musically in such a way where things are super tight. And, um, and yeah, I mean, the how of it is really just, it, it was just a lot of work. It was extremely grueling and it was a lot of hours um, kind of getting everything to, you know, happen exactly in the right moment um, and shape things the, the way to like to like the edit and the picture and then have to reshape it when the edit changed um there's no real kind of magic behind it besides like spending a lot of time uh getting it right but that is like a signature i feel like of daniels's kind of audio like audio visual relationship and their language is that things are very tight like almost like it's like a music video or something and it's um yeah we definitely uh, had a lot of fun with it, but it also was really difficult at times. <laughs> yeah, I bet I believe it. Yeah. yeah, you know, and and speaking of ways in which this was difficult, you know, the movie dabbles in you know obviously multiple universes, but different genres of music as well from time to time. So what were what were what was the biggest thing for each of you that stretched you on this project? The thing that stretched you the most? Uh, it's it's hard to pick one thing. Uh, there is. Yeah, it's like what what didn't. This movie was weird because it was both like super difficult to do, but also felt like really within our wheelhouse, mm-hmm. which is like such a weird I I mean, I actually don't really like to use that term because I don't really understand it, but <laughs> um for me, scoring this felt like a process of discovering hidden potential that we had as a band. And also individually, because as a band, this was our first foray into scoring. So naturally, it was going to be a process of discovery. And I think Daniels truly had a sort of like a more generous feeling toward us about our potential than I think personally I even had. And I'm a pretty cocky son of a bitch. Um, it's like Daniels, like they. I confirm. but you know what i mean like they saw this movie in in a more prismatic and and they had obviously a far more complex understanding of it and in a and in like a very detailed to-do list um for the score and looked at us and thought yeah these guys could do it and when I first read the script and we really start to take it apart, I was my kind of my thinking was like, oh, we can do some of this, you know, and the, time and time again, there were little places where those things that we had thought other people could do to help us, you know, we were able to take off ourselves and not only to quote unquote to get the job done but but actually in a way that felt really creatively satisfying um in surprising ways the multiverse of sunlux um you know kind of like revealed itself um to be more expensive and 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 i think it's because this movie uh enabled us to do that and the protracted and logistically speaking the tr- protracted um schedule uh for post um allowed us to to dig deeper than otherwise would have been possible. Well, we we also have to talk about the original songs yep. in the film. This is a life is a remarkable track. I love that song so much. And um, you partnered with 
the incredible Mitski and David Byrne. Uh, it feels like that must have been, uh, well, at least it was, if it was me, that would be a dream come true to work with David Byrne. So tell me about how that song kind of began and, and how the partnership with Mitski and David came to be. I can talk about like how it kind of came about basically at a certain point in the process, A24, I think had seen maybe like a preview of it, work in progress kind of screening and and they were getting more excited about it and also wanting to spend more money on sort of specifically wanting to kind of enhance the culture around it with the music and things like that. So they were like, you know, like we would love to have some music that has like some special guests, you know, you guys like think of a bunch of ideas and like send them to us. And, uh, you know, we put some names on there that we were like, yeah, I guess we'll put David Byrne on this list, but there's like no way in hell like that's going to happen. Um, and it did. I mean, with Byrne and Mitski, the, the Mitski's kind of the way her name came up initially was because uh, Daniel Kwan, one of the directors, is such a big fan of her that like I think at some point he he sent us a screenshot of his like Spotify year end listening list and we were on there. And Mitski was like also on there. Like those were like the two like most prominent names. And we we're just like, well, wouldn't it be cool if we like did something with her? Uh, especially because we're also fans. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Um, we landed on this idea of having kind of two guests for one song that like kind of feel like they come from different worlds. Um, but in the spirit of the movie, kind of like finding a way to create a space where like all things can exist at once in uh in harmony and dissonance i guess uh but ryan can talk a little bit more about sort of the actual writing of the song well i think you know we were had like crazy like it was really crazy we had our hands full obviously with the score um the film is essentially wall-to-wall score and then some also also some beautiful silence while rocks have a hang but it was it was like the kind of thing where, you know, usually the composer of a movie or composers don't also like get that spot right at the end. Uh, if there's going to be a song, like if it's just going to be a, you know, a credit role with a montage of score cues, then, you know, but this was a, this was a movie that felt like it wanted a song. And I was like, definitely not going to let that opportunity slip by. The more I fell in love with this movie, the more I was like, y'all, we got to write it. We got to write a song for the, the credits. And but there was also like the OK, real talk. When is that going to happen? Because we're also writing 100 score cues. <clears throat> um, so the point in which. A24 got started to get really enthusiastic and we're willing to put some money into you know, what was still, what still could be done, which is, you know, in the process of creating a film, music comes so late that oftentimes it's, it has the job of doing all the things that couldn't be done, um, that, that where the opportunity to do them uh, is past, you know, so it's up to the music to do, to, to finish. And, you know, so it's the one last, it's sort of the last place you can expend additional resources if you, if you have the uh, energy to do it and the desire to do it. And so when they 
felt like when they were like, okay, what would you do if you dream big to Ian's point? Like, and we started to dream big and once people started getting involved, then it was like, not only do we have to write a song, but now we can write a song for other people to sing, to engage with us on. And that is what is truly going to make it a family affair, a, a, a multiverse, you know, it's, it's not just Sunlux. It's going to be voices, you know, that some musical heroes and <laughs> some giants and some very characteristic voices outside of this particular sphere. And that's, what's really going to blow it open. Um, and I just want to add that, like, it's not like David Byrne and Mitski were like, Oh, like collaborate with like Sunlux. Like, let's do that. Like it wasn't, right. it was, it was based off of them seeing, getting a getting a screener of the movie and then they watched it and they they fell for it and i think that's yeah. kind of how the movie got a lot of the people who ended up being involved in it was because yep like truly just based on the project itself and um and we're very grateful right, for sure yeah exactly we were totally the beneficiaries of yeah. the, the strength of the film it wasn't like they weren't jumping it i mean they weren't yeah, it was it was the movie and um, that that really caught it was the hook, you know, that caught the fish. So um we were just happy to be a part of it. Um yeah. And once once for me, I wrote the like kind of the meat of the song and then David everything David sings, he wrote. Um so um he was an incredible collaborator, was very generous, uh very dedicated to just doing the best that we could do. Just like how you'd want all of your creative partnerships to be he he was in it you know he was he was in it and focused and um also very humble was willing to make changes to receive feedback on his lyrical ideas and you know wasn't precious about any of his you know scratch tracks that he sent over um it was so cool it was so 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 cool and mitski was a total pro um very like it was just it was just like effortless you know yeah no. delivered the song to her she said i can kill this uh and you know a couple of weeks later sent us like the most incredible vocal tracks and sure enough she killed it <laughs> absolutely hey, hey there. there i'm hannah and i'm audrey we are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Cinema, our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcasts.com. See you soon. Uh, you know, one of the other tracks, uh, the past few months, I'll, I'll be walking around my house and I'll just say a couple of mammals making gravy. So how in the world did you get Randy Newman <laughs> to, to, to do this song? When I first saw it, it's such a funny moment in the movie. And I thought, oh, great. A Randy Newman sound alike. That's amazing. It fits so perfectly. <laughs> and then, you know, it's not till afterwards that I was listening to the track and realized it's actually him. Amazing. And it's a great song. It's not just a goofy song it's a great song thank you so how did this happen i mean same deal you know like uh daniels were like 
they'd always imagined it be being Randy Newman. So they assumed it'd be a sound alike because it's a Pixar universe, you know, like it's a, a riff on a Pixar universe. Um, and, um, but, uh, you know, when they had a rough cut of the movie, they sent it, they sent it to him and he watched it with his whole family, said his wife hadn't laughed that hard the whole pandemic. Um, and he said, I'm in. Um, and again, it was the strength of the movie. He doesn't know Sunlux from Adam, right? And so, and that was one of those things where it was on our to-do list to write a song for Randy Newman in the style of Randy Newman. <laughs> and it was a thing where I had actually called a, 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 a friend of mine, a previous he was, he used to be my boss uh, in New York when I worked at a music house and thinking, cause I knew he would just, just do such an amazing job. And I was like, oh, there's no way I know how to write a song like that. And sure enough, um, push came to shove. And, uh, I think I just, you know, this movie got under my skin and, um, I wrote the song in, you know, one sitting, it just kind of came to me because I was just inside of this absurd universe of the Daniel's imagination. And, caught the bug and um you know they had already shiner uh daniel shiner had already written the idea of now we're cooking right um so that they sing on camera they sing like they sung like a version of that so all i had to do was like find the melody that worked that i could sync with their you know lips or with not their lips but <laughs> with harry shum jr's lips and then write the song around that but i knew to do it right i had to like kind of write it as if there was more to the song because what would be really funny is if on the soundtrack there's the whole song and we realized that in the movie that's just the song they're singing it's from the other song that the song that actually really does exist out there somewhere um in all that noise and that's what we did. So for the for the soundtrack, you know, the full song exists. And um, I originally made it as just, uh, well, you know, Harry Shum Jr. He's he's funny as hell. He's a great actor, but he absolutely cannot sing. <laughs> so we did a session with him, but I think everybody agreed that there was no way you could do that to Randy Newman. Basically, um, put him uh, in a duet with uh, someone who can't sing. Um, and it didn't necessarily make it funnier, right? So I tried to make it a solo. Like, okay, so this, you know, it's just a solo Randy Newman song. So I sent it to Daniels and they're like, this sounds great, uh, but it needs to be a duet. And I was like, guys, but Harry's, you know, like, Harry, we talked about this. He like can't sing. And Daniel Shiner was like, oh, but he, he sounds like amazingly like you, but if he could, you sound amazingly like him, but if he could sing you should do it. And I was like, I am not singing a duet with Randy Newman. That is crazy. <laughs> like, I'm like, there's no way. And they were like, why not? And that was, that was this, their whole spirit. The whole time was like, why not? You know? And I realized, yeah. I mean, it's like, why the fuck not? <laughs> you know? And then I, and then I like, plugged in the microphone and i was like okay here we go and i had so much fun another case where I, maybe i'd limited myself too much and this movie taught me not to do that well that's exactly the last question i wanted to, to leave you guys with uh how do you think working 
on everything everywhere all at once changed you the most as artists or or that you'll walk into your your next projects with uh that, that you took from this experience small question i know i mean i think there is something this is like feels like a corny answer but it's the truth and that's that it did by forcing us to be all these different versions of ourselves and like try on all these hats that we would never try on and do all this stuff like there's a certain way in which like like there's nothing like composing the music for uh, the like hot dog hands musical to make three like self-serious sad boys like you know like just realize that there's a lot of other things that we have in us you know and um we don't have to sort of like kind of like constrict who we can be or what our output can be so much but at the same time like what that really means is actually just like just being the versions of ourselves that we are in this universe you know what i mean like just like the movie is about it's it's kind of that you know going into the next thing i feel like i'm like all right well we just did all of these these different things and like they're all valid because they're all sides of who we are and there's a degree to which i think like all three of us we listen to a lot of different kinds of music but one thing that we seem to have in common is that like or one thing that all that music seems to have in common is that you hear two seconds of an artist and you're like that's who that is you know and I feel like you can't really get to that place unless you're able to be so honest and to put forward a sound so personal that it can be that distinct and recognizable, you know? And um, I think all of us, like, strive towards that thing that our heroes all have done, you know? And and part of it, like, this movie was a valuable lesson in that because it it sort of got us to like shake ourselves and like knock all of the preconceptions off a little bit and and just like be more deeply ourselves you know and that's that's an exciting place to end up yeah the next sunlux album will all be in the style of randy newman <laughs> perfect that's what i was hoping you would say perfect <laughs> i mean just kidding. Probably sell more records. But... <laughs> yeah, Ian, Ian is doing all of the Randy Newman sound-alike vocals. Yeah, been working on it since uh, since before Randy Newman got hired. I was I was waiting in the wings, ready to go. <laughs> Perfect. Well, guys, thank you so much uh, again. I love your work. I love this film. Thank you so much uh, for for chatting with me about it. Thank you, Daniel. Appreciate it. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to Daniel Howitt's interview with the composers for Everything Everywhere All at Once, Son Lux, Ryan Lott, Ian Chang, and Rafiq Batia here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Everything Everywhere All at Once and Son Lux are up for your consideration for this year's Academy Awards for Best Original Score and Best Original Song for This Is Life. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. 
Thank you so much for listening as always, and we shall see you all next time. grown-up me too yep me too but you know these days being a grown-up can really suck luckily we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation we had video arcades and also some of the best tv and movies ever made we lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics the list goes on and on yep generation x exactly and we're gen x grown-up every week the gen x grown-up podcast explores media tech toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, I think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I've never done it. (laughs) Right.